Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Digest and Invest podcast. As usual, I'm joined by the main man all the way out in Sydney, Australia. We're going global. Uh, Josh Gilbert, how are you? I'm good, Sam. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very well. My team's top of the league and yours isn't. So I'm, I'm, I imagine I'm better than you right now. Uh, in markets this week, the <laughs> US dollar went up. Um, yeah, no, not a good week. I've got a lot of friends who are my United fans, and so it's not been a good week at all for me so far. Um, but look, you can't always uh, you know, have it one way. We know that in markets. Uh, markets don't always go up, do they? And unfortunately, football teams can't always win. So you've got to take the good with the bad. And unfortunately, it's the bad at the moment. Yeah, I'm sure things will, will turn around. Uh, and I imagine there'll be... Uh, a bit of success along the way this season for you. Um, just, uh, just a quick one. If you're you're watching on on YouTube, just please remember to like, share, subscribe. And if you're listening via any podcast host, whether that be Spotify, Apple, Amazon, whatever it is that you use, uh, please do give us give us a rating. It, it helps with the algo and all all of that kind of thing. Um, podcast today, I think we can talk about the Tesla stock split. Uh, we can talk about how parity is now broken. We finally got that first confirmation of a close below it recently for the euro against the dollar. Uh, and then we might as well just have a, a little bit of a wrap up of, of earnings, I'd, I'd say. Yep, sounds good to me. Um, I, I guess probably as well in there that the Jackson Hole is, is probably pretty big news this week. So for anyone that probably wants some insight into that, check out last week's episode where we did cover that. Um, we don't want to give the Fed too much airtime, do we? So, no, I don't think they deserve it this week. No. You know, they, they've had a nice, easy August, <laughs> um, yeah. but it'd be an interesting one actually, Jackson Hole, because obviously markets have had a bit of a bit of a move lower, maybe mm. due to the strength of the US dollar amongst other things. Uh, and I reckon Jerome Powell would have liked to have seen that. He don't. I don't think he would have wanted to go into Jackson Hole seeing equities just pushing on and on and on. The fact that they retreated a little bit might uh, change what he was going to say uh, over the next few days. Of course, Jackson Hole starting today. So expect comments Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, I was saying on, on a webinar, actually, I'd, I've been a, a day trader for eight years and I would trade currency pairs. I would trade the S&P 500, Dow, um, gold, oil, uh, anything really that was related to the dollar, uh, treasury notes as well. And every time it got to August, the, the headlines would be like, this Jackson Hole is going to be important. And then it would get to Jackson Hole and it'd be an absolute dead event. So for those day traders, just bear that in mind. It's not always the most exciting thing in the world. And I'm kind of getting that vibe, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay, let's let's talk about the the top the, the stock split then. Uh, we've covered one, I, th- I think it was a few months ago. But for our newer listeners, it'd be good to know what is a stock split. Why would a company do one? Uh, and in particular, Tesla. You know, what are the what are the things that you think we we need to know? Yeah. So, I mean, look. First, first of all, is that stock splits make a stock cheaper, 
but it doesn't change anything about the fundamentals of the stock. Mm -hmm. I want to make that clear. I've seen quite a few sort of not advertisements, but maybe articles over the last few weeks that have said, is now the time to buy Tesla shares, blah, blah, blah. Look, yes, they will be cheaper, but it won't change anything about the stock's fundamentals. Let's just make that really clear. Most people will know that, but if, if not, then you know that's, it's an important thing to know. Um, the splits are simply a psychological factor for yeah. retail investors buying assets. A stock that's priced at $100 compared to, say, 2500 is much more attractive to a retail investor. And that sort of goes back to the days before we had fractional shares. So, again, before we had fractional shares, if a stock was $2,500, you'd have to have $2,500 to be able to do that. Um, so going back many years, stock splits were a regular occurrence, um, but they've obviously stint, since slowed down. So for example, only 28 stock splits from companies in the S&P 500 occurred in the last sort of five years. But in 2006 and 2007, we actually had 41. So there's, there's a lot there. And I think that shows maybe the sort of the overemphasis on sort of institutional investors and overlooks the importance of retail investors. But also at the same time, with the introduction of fractional shares, I also wonder if companies feel it's necessary. Um, but also the good thing is, is that, you know, splitting, you know, for those companies that don't obviously offer fractional shares, um, this is fantastic because obviously it gives every, it makes every broker uh, obviously you know, has to change the price essentially so everyone can have access. Um, and as you say, eToro, um, we obviously have fractional shares and, and Tesla is one of the most popular stocks on eToro um, by retail investors. So Tesla shares priced at $300 compared to what is, uh, I think around, it was about $900 when they announced the split. It's going to be more attractive, um, you know, and especially as sort of the, the EV industry continues to grow. Uh, it helps employee ownership, which was one of the key reasons that Tesla actually split its stock back um, in 2020, I think it was. Um, and Musk actually came out and said that. So a lower stock price actually makes it easier for employees to join equity programs um, and actually to, to sell part of their compensation as well. And equity compensation has actually been a huge factor in attracting new talent over recent years as well. Yeah. So it's, it's, an, it's an important um, part of you know as i say this sort of talent war that we have at the moment sort of the, one of the key ones is the banks have been talking about it a lot how there's lots of poaching going on etc so um that's that's one reason um it also means that if you have a lower price it can open a gateway to being included into the dow jones so that's also really important as well um and it can help the liquidity of a stock and, and lots of you know other benefits for sort of doing it um but as I said a moment ago, in terms of the retail investors, etc., retail investors now have become, you know, a much bigger proportion of trading activity, um, and also share prices have obviously surged to what we've probably believe is, is above average levels. So I do think it's really important for companies to continue splitting their stocks. Um, you know, U.S. household equity ownership is at record levels. Twenty-five percent of ind individual investors are new to markets, so we want to sort of make that access easier. Um, but yeah, for Tesla, again, it, it's about essentially offering this to sort of a wider, broader investor base, you know, ultimately making it more attractive. Um, and as I said earlier, doesn't change anything about the fundamentals of the stock, but data clearly shows that there is a pickup in retail ownership and often a jump in share price after a split. So if we look at Amazon, Google and Tesla, when they've announced stock splits in the past, their share prices have risen after announcing the stock splits. Um, and a nice little stat for you, since 1980, um, 
S&P 500 companies that announced stock splits returned an average of 25.4% over the following 12 months, compared with the S&P 500's average return of 9.1% over the same period. So that's a pretty big difference. So again, a lot of the names are probably high-flying tech names that see their obviously share prices surge. It doesn't change anything about the fundamentals. But as I say, the data tells us that it, it does have an impact on the share price. And as we know, Musk is a genius, so he isn't going to uh, isn't going to miss out on that opportunity. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. I, I mean, I, I, like you said, I think it just makes it a little bit more attractive for investors, and that and that is a good thing. But yeah, points to make doesn't change the fundamentals as, as some might think, but can make it more uh, attractive. We we we've I got sent a document from someone in our our team. You mentioned there, Tesla is one of the most popular stocks on. Uh, Toro, and it absolutely is. But we got sent a, a dashboard which shows city by city what the most popular owned stock for that region is, and it's quite interesting. I've got it open now. Where, where are you from? What what city do you want me to put in for for you? Sydney, Sydney, Australia. Oh well, or you mean in England? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, so you, I'm from Cornwall, the Cornish okay, boy at heart. Let's see if we've got Cornwall. Okay, so the most popular owned stock, wow, is is Nokia. <laughs> we love our we love our meme stocks clearly <laughs> yeah you've got nokia you've got team viewer is also in the in the top three there as well man united um, but there's there's quite a yeah it might be but there's i there was i remember looking ages ago and i don't know if it's still the case but it was quite interesting looking at uh you know there was certain cities that would have like greg's as their as their number one uh, for whatever reason, I think it was like Newcastle or something. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll look at that in more detail uh, over the next sort of few weeks. But it is quite interesting just to see why, you know, potentially some regions may be drawn towards more stocks than others. But yeah, as you said, the uh, Tesla stock is is one of the most held on the Toro platform, most popular. Um, yeah, really interesting. Uh, our next subject is is on on the Euro USD, as we mentioned. You know, it's now broken parity um i mean it was just a matter of time really wasn't it yeah i think it was we we tested it a bit earlier in the year didn't we um and the dollar has been on some run hasn't it so as you say it, it was just a matter of time you know especially with sort of the growing recession fears around europe and i think we had that weak data from germany last friday we've got that conversation at the moment around uk inflation could reach 15 percent, which is crazy to think again i know obviously not using the the, the euro but just sort of summing up the, the whole region of europe to be honest but look maybe the euro might get some relief with the dollar index likely to find some resistance at 110 um you know that's something that we haven't seen for for over 20 years but maybe you can give us a bit more insight mr north yeah, yeah, interesting actually. The the dollar index sort of made a double top yesterday, sort of charting pattern, which some people might think is is an opportunity to to, to get short the dollar. We'll have to see as we go into sort of the finish up the last full week of of the month. Um, yeah, I I heard inflation UK. Someone was saying eighteen, nineteen percent, which is just baffling. If it gets that high, I mean that is gonna. Yeah, that's going to really, really hurt people. I mean, Europe is is obviously in in not too dissimilar situation with this whole energy thing, um, and that's going to affect people big time at the back end of the year. Um, but yeah, Euro USD in parity, we finally, finally closed below it. I mean, firstly, I, I think it's worth noting that the bulls did put up a pretty good fight initially. Uh, I think it's the twelfth of July was when we first tested that level. We first touched parity. 
And then we went up and traded to, to 103.50. So that went 350 pips higher. Uh, so that's a really, really big push. So for those that did get long mm. on the 12th, you know, you would have got a good trade out of that. Um, and it just so happened that that 103.50 level was a previous massive area of support from May and June, which, as we know, when support breaks, it can turn to resistance. And it did just absolutely beautifully. And and the short from there, I mean, it should be hung in the Louvre. It was just gorgeous. It really was. Just everything about that trade was was amazing. Obviously, always easier in, in hindsight. But, uh, you know, when you know there's that saying sometimes it's too good to be true well it just didn't apply there it was just absolutely perfect textbook absolutely great trade can we continue lower because for those people that have been short you close below parity you reach parity again you take a little bit of profit for sure but can we go lower morgan stanley and namora they seem to think so morgan stanley is saying 0.97 namora 0.975 honestly i actually i do see it going lower but we as we always say you've got to prepare to to change your minds it could have been really weak us data which we had yesterday which weakened the dollar it could be comments from jerome powell over the next sort of few days it could be headlines from the ecbs you know something could change you know things as we we go to so react to what we can control and flow with everything everything else um people might ask the question you know is this a dollar strength story or a euro weakness it's a bit of both at the moment you know the fed have been raising rates for for quite some time now we've also seen the safe haven flows with everything that's been going on this year and the ecb are, are probably the second most dovish central bank behind the bank of japan in in sort of those g10 central banks so it's not the the cocktail you would want for a move higher it's the cocktail you've got for a move lower in this currency pair um we've got a difficult winter ahead for europe natural gas prices are at record highs i think it's a 14 year high uh, sentiment is at record lows, you know, and that's led to this two decade low for Euro USD. You know, the talks of blackouts because of the energy supplies worrying investors. And it, it's obviously not the right time to, to be buying the euro right now, unless we see an improvement in all of that. Uh, as we've said before, though, you've got to remember, you know, markets price in future expectations. So a lot of this bad news we're expecting, but it's just how bad can it get? So there is still some more room there for that downside is what I would say. Um, we mentioned earlier, you mentioned earlier about Jackson Hole. Could that save the day with comments from Powell? You know, if anything, he might be a little bit more hawkish due to that equity market recovery, as I was saying. However, last few days, equities have come lower. So that might, you know, might be okay. Um, what has been sort of that that final nail in the coffin for the euro? Well, this is this is probably the main thing that I was, when I was sort of researching in and around the euro, it was it was... This one thing in particular a few years ago, it was a tweet from the best reverse indicator that finance Twitter has to offer. And I'm sure there'll be people listening to this that will know exactly who I'm about to say. It's, of course, Jim Cramer um, on the, the 21st of July 2017. He tweeted, do not bet against the almighty euro. Um, so unless he was to come out now and say, you know, he is selling the euro. Uh, I think that's potentially when we could be a little bit more confident it could go up. I mean, he really has. I, I actually think there's there's someone who created a uh, a trading account. And whenever Jim Cramer tweets, he takes the opposite side of that trade. And he started with, I think it was $50,000 in the account. Whether it's real or virtual, I don't know. 
but he takes every single trade and posts it on his Twitter. That counts now up to a quarter of a million, which is just amazing. You know, the fact that he's, you know, puts all these calls out there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, maybe he just needs liquidity to get out of his longs or shorts. Maybe that's why he's doing it. But uh, yeah, pretty amazing. Is that what they're calling the inverse Kramer ETF? Is that the similar? <laughs> yeah. I just hope he doesn't ever say anything about the stocks I'm holding. Do you know what I mean? Imagine if he's, no, Jim, stop yeah. talking about that. No. But um, yeah, I think, well, as you say, the last time I looked at that, the the, the inverse Kramer, whether it was the Twitter or I saw a news article on it and it was, it was outperforming the S&P 500. So <laughs> um, CNBC are, are probably going to be maybe asking for a replacement soon but as they say no press is bad press and uh, yeah. it's obviously uh, it's obviously getting a lot of people to talk about him so he's, a, yeah. he's obviously well, when, when, he's doing that whenever arsenal play tottenham i always tweet jim kramer go what do you think of tottenham hoping that i think <laughs> oh they're amazing and then i'll be like yes we're gonna win but he hasn't come out and, and replied yet and i doubt after listening to this he's going to either but uh if you are listening jim keep up the good work um come, lastly, on, come on jim jim come on, come on. Yeah, yeah absolutely have, have your say come on yeah, we won't roast you too high. No. Um, lastly, for us today, we said we'll talk about earnings. So let's let's go through that. I mean, it's a never-ending topic. You know, we'll be quarter three earnings soon. And I don't know if I'm ready for that. I just need a little bit of a break. Uh, I need a trip to, you know, Jackson Hole with the big dogs just to, to put my feet up. Uh, anyway, our devoted listeners will want a summary, I'm sure. So let's cover that. Also, we've got Zoom, which I think was Monday after the close, I believe, NVIDIA, Salesforce to review and preview uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, look, a few key takeaways from my side from earnings. First, I mean, the key thing is it was better than expected and corporate's pretty resilient. Um, You know, the biggest worry, I think, coming out of it was the sort of the downgrades that we've seen. Um, There were quite a few of them, but I think most of them were pretty modest given obviously what we've seen in markets right now and and at the same time companies were citing recession risks but sort of pointing towards that a slowdown was probably more likely as as well so you know it was a bit of both so we had some positivity with some resilience but also we sort of had a bit of weakness that we probably could have expect i think maybe in some cases is the worst behind us in that sense you know maybe earnings have still got a little bit of way to come down but I think we, of course, aren't 100% sure if U.S. inflation has peaked, but it seems likely, even if it does maybe stay higher for longer, maybe if it does stay quite sticky, it's probably still peaked, hopefully, at this point. Supply chains are starting to improve. And Tesla was one of the main advocates there, actually, by saying that they believe that the worst of supply disruptions is gone. Musk came on the call and said that his that sort of the commodity costs are on a down uh, downward trajectory. Um, then we've obviously got lockdowns in, in China coming to an end. We've had a bit of reprieve in Ukraine and Russia. They're letting sort of ships to port now. I was sort of uh, reading the other day that they were sort of allowing corn um, on ships to leave, um, which is, again, is, is a helping, you know, sort of this food crisis that we're getting um, and just sort of general supply chain issues there. And, you know, I think it seems that companies are sort of now having to worry less on the sort of supply chain front sort of moving forward um and i think that's going to be really really important probably now they're going to start talking about um you know inflation probably being the biggest issue and um and recession risk etc maybe moving away from from supply chains consumers uh big one they've also been very very resilient more resilient than what they've been saying you know all the consumer surveys 
you know, heading in were pretty weak. Mm. Um, and, you know, but ultimately travel companies reported strong numbers. Disney had consumers returning to its parks in a big, big way. We had Walmart beating earnings expectations. We had Starbucks showing good growth. Um, Walmart didn't adjust its sort of full year outlook, uh, whereas some sort of retailers did. Again, it was mixed. Some retailers, you know, fared better than others. But all in all, consumers were still spending that money, still getting out there. I think you can see that in your everyday, you know, in the Westfield here in Australia, in the shopping centre where I was at the weekend. Still very busy, still people out there, still spending. And that's, you know, really important. So if the consumers are, uh, are still resilient, then uh, we're, we're doing okay. So those are probably some key takeaways. Some other points to probably note was that the banks right at the start um, came through with some pretty poor numbers, but actually fundamentals were pretty strong. A lot of the earnings sort of issues that they had was due to the sort of um, the the loan loss provisions that they put in place. But bottom line, the net interest income and the loan balances were, were all sort of better. Um, and then, yeah, as we say, this week we obviously had Zoom. We've got Salesforce and NVIDIA to go. Zoom reported on Monday, and, and as we know, they... They've ultimately epitomized work from home culture, but that growth is is really dwindling. Um, and it, I'm struggling to see a bright future for Zoom, and, and I'm struggling to sort of say something positive um, when you've got such big competition from a cash-rich business in Microsoft who just have money to throw at basically anything. That's a big worry. Um, and I think that shows in their downgraded Q3 and four-year guidance as well, which didn't help the stock after hours. Um, for me, I could maybe see an acquisition coming along for Zoom. You've mentioned think, that before, I think, haven't you? Or am I yeah. making that? I think you have. No, no, you're right. I think... <laughs> I think I would. I think it would be perfect. You know, the valuation has come down so much, and I think for me, I, how I see it, and, and sort of what I'm picturing it similar to, is is Salesforce and Slack. Mm. That's how I would see it. Um, is somebody just to sort of pick Zoom up and just add it to you know a, a business that they already have. Um, again, I'm not sure where it fits in. Who maybe could be the the buyer. Um, but I think it, you know, would be a great product um, for somebody to have if it can embed itself, you know, with something else. You know, you look at Microsoft and you just think about the whole package that they have with, you know, Teams 365. It's just really difficult to try and move away from. And then obviously you have Google with Google Docs and, yeah. you know, Google Meet. I, I just think, I wonder how they scale from here. That's the struggle that I have. Again, I think I still think work from home and remote working is going to be really, really big. And I don't think that changes, even though there is that sort of move back to offices. But I'm just not sure how they scale from here. So that's yeah, where I, I struggle. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we talk about Salesforce again reporting this week. You know, they're expecting to, to sort of report double digit revenue growth once again, which is important to know. And that pushes them closer to their revenue target for the year, which is around about 30 billion US. Um, and it looks like they're going to going to exceed that unless we get a, a downgrade on guidance, which I think is, is possibly unlikely. They've got margins that are improving. They've become pretty pr prudent with costs after a hiring spree through the pandemic, which has obviously helped those margins. The stock is down 30% this year, though, but I think that's more due to sort of the tech route that we've seen, the broader sort of sell-off, and isn't, I don't think, a fair representation of, of the growth that, that Salesforce is seeing, um, given the fact that we're going pretty much everything digital these days and, you know, businesses want to, um, you know, operate 
automatically they want to sort of help you know workers from home i, I just think that they've been pretty immune to economic slowdowns you know even as we're probably seeing corporate it budgets might be slowing down as well but their growth looks pretty solid whereas again zoom are seeing that growth completely drop off and then even if we're comparing it to sort of year over year so last year and maybe not even sort of those pandemic highs you know they're still struggling and the the, the target for zoom is to continue to retain sort of um, customers where salesforce just keeps adding more and more you know customers especially with that slack acquisition as well uh, it's just dominant and, and there, there's a reason that they lead um you know in the uh, in the SaaS business um and then of course we've got nvidia uh they released preliminary results uh i believe it was a couple of weeks ago maybe last week that was actually a bit of a shock to markets they downgraded revenue guidance for when they report this week and that was about a 17.3 percent downward revision and that was again in less than sort of three months so they're set to so Salesforce and Nvidia will both report on Wednesday um, after the U.S. market closes. So again, two two names to watch, and I think they could be two names for traders to watch as well. Uh, Salesforce has around about a nine point seven percent implied move after hours following earnings, and Nvidia is around about ten point nine percent. So I think there'll be some nice opportunities there for short-term traders looking at that going into the report, depending on obviously what it is. Again, there's uh, lots of data out there to to sort of get through. So um, investors will be able to, to to find their way through it but i, I think uh, nvidia again with that downgraded guidance might struggle but you know for me i think salesforce are going to come through um strong again the only reason they'll probably struggle is if they do downgrade guidance which has been sort of the um the main sort of focal point over earning season is you get hammered in after hours trade if you downgrade guidance so um that's that's probably the big names to really watch throughout the rest of Q2. And, and then, as we say, it's onwards to Q3. Onwards to Q3. Yeah. Well, you covered everything there that, that people will need to know. And, and I guess in summary, like we're saying, it's not been a bad earnings season. And, and that did help, I think, with the, the recovery that we saw in, in stocks. And, and I was speaking to someone yesterday just about the, the S&P 500, but you can talk about the Dow or the NASDAQ, anyway, anyone you want to, really. And... And look, this year we're still down. Of course we are. Uh, we had a big move. Uh, well, we've had a sort of decent size move lower this week uh, already. But I was just looking at, at the daily chart and, you know, there has been periods this year where you've had a rally for a good sort of few weeks at a time, you know, for, sort of mid-February up into to the, um, the, the back end of March high, a decent run. You also had obviously mid-May, to the beginning of of june we we went higher for a few weeks and then obviously we had the low of the year sort of mid uh mid june to only just a few weeks ago or only a few days ago really sort of literally the 16th 17th of august where we just went higher and higher so there has been some some big pushes um interestingly the stock market is on the most important levels right now and it'd be so key to see where we finish the week from a sentiment point of view. So I'll be keeping a close watch on that uh, for the NASDAQ and the S&P and the Dow. Um, I discussed the levels on on one of the webinars. So anyone can head over to the Toro Academy to, to check that out. Um, Josh, much planned for for the rest of the week? Um, nothing too crazy. If anyone's interested, I will be doing a Twitter space on eToro AU's page tomorrow with uh, an NFT project called The Lazy Lions. Uh, what time? Be... What time? Uh, it will be... be... 6 p.m. Australian time, which will be what time is it with you now, Sam? So it's 9 a.m. now. So it'll it should be, be 6 it'll be 9 a.m. 
Cool. Yeah, it'll be nine. Mm. It'll be nine a.m. So if anyone wants to check that out, nine a.m. Uh, England time. That's on the Etoro AU page, not the main Etoro channel. Uh, but yeah, check that out. That'll be pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, that's probably about it for me. How about you? Um, oh, I've got to go to wedding. The never-ending weddings of twenty twenty-two. Nice. This this yeah. uh, this coming week, which will be or coming weekend, which will be good. And we in the UK, we've got the bank holiday on the Monday. Oh, so luckily, the the wedding is the Sunday. And I'm not in work the next day, so I can recover uh, after what will be a big, big wedding. Um, a few extra shandies. Yes, I will think so. Um, but yeah, that is reminder. So there'll be no weekly outlook on Monday. But also, uh, for those that did watch, Josh stepped in and, and smashed it by all accounts with, with Ben Lader on, on the Monday. How did you enjoy that? It was good. Yeah, I had some big boots to fill, but yeah, it was it was fun. Um, yeah, it was uh, some very engaged user, um, users in there, which was quite nice. They were all chatting amongst themselves. And... Yeah, no, they're a good. Yeah, it was good. A good bunch, really good yeah. bunch. And, and uh, yeah, there's some really smart people in in that room. And absolutely, uh, what I love is is that people come from it from all different angles, different time frames, high horizons, and and views. You know, that's what makes a market, right? Uh, but look, we'll we'll wrap it there. As mentioned, feel free to head over to the Toro Academy. Got everything at your disposal there. YouTube videos are up there. Uh, on our channel as well for you and also all the podcast guides videos blogs on that academy as mentioned uh, but josh thank you as always pleasure thanks everyone and uh, i hope you all enjoy the rest of your week take care everyone have a good one you've been listening to digest and invest from etoro for more information visit etoro.com <laughs>